So when I read the verses from Mark's gospel that the lectionary prescribes for this Sunday, I thought, finally, my chance to preach about hellfire and damnation. So many horrible things to explore. The hacking off of limbs, plucking out of eyes, drowning in the sea, the fire, and best of all, the worm that never dies. This will finally convince them to straighten up and fly right. Not really, though, because that wouldn't be an authentic sermon coming from me. The only way I could preach about hellfire and damnation would be with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, as you just heard. And even though I'm a little cynical and maybe a little sarcastic by nature, or rather because I'm a little cynical and sarcastic by nature, it's a tendency that I try my best to avoid. Well, I'm not going to preach that sermon today or ever. Because, you see, I don't believe in hellfire. And I don't believe in damnation. I don't believe that Jesus meant any of this literally. I don't believe he meant for us to mutilate ourselves in order to avoid going to hell, or by extension, getting into heaven. And for that reason, for that very reason, I believe that there is truth in Jesus' words for us today. Look, let's face it, it's a hard gospel to digest precisely because the language is so tough. So let's chew on it a bit and see if it's a story that can somehow nourish us. Well, what is really at stake here? The passage opened with this kind of comical scene, in a way, where John comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Now, my first reaction to that is, really, John? What have you been told about being a tattletale and about trying to puff yourself up in order to make yourself look so important? Still struggling with how you rank among Jesus' followers? Oh, John, dear heart, you still don't get it, do you? But Jesus doesn't chastise John in, in any way here. He just tells him gently but firmly, don't stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able to soon after speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. Now we aren't told who this person, this, this person who is casting out demons is because it doesn't matter. Jesus says, let him be. He's doing good work. It's as if Jesus is saying that the gift of healing, of spreading love in the world, isn't just his gift. It isn't just Jesus' gift. And it isn't just Jesus' immediate followers' gift either. It's not the gift of the insider, the us, that John identifies himself so strongly with. But, but healing and love is a gift for anyone who claims it as long as they give it away. And I think that's the key here. John really wants 
John really wants to be on the inside. Right? He wants to be one of the chosen. A member of Jesus' entourage. And that's okay. We all want to feel like we're part of a group. We all long to be members of something bigger than ourselves. Bigger than just our individual selves. A sense of belonging reinforces our connection with one another. It's a basic human need. And in fact, it upholds one of Jesus' great commandments. Love one another. Be connected. But here's the rub. Too often the circles that we belong to, these circles of friends or loved ones or families or political parties or nations or even sometimes churches become circles that not only embrace their members but also keep other people out. Kind of seems to be part of human nature and frankly, not a very helpful part. In many tight-knit social groups, if you're not in, you're definitely out. And if you've ever found yourself on the outside, well, you know how that feels. I mean, you might not even want to really be in, and still it feels bad. I'm sure we've all had the experiences of feeling like an outsider. And it takes me, and it may take many of you, members of St. John's, it may take a big stretch of the imagination to put ourselves in the place of people who live in situations where they're oppressed or are stigmatized by system and circles that we just naturally fit into. I know that I'm an insider in many overlapping circles of power and privilege simply because I'm a white male of a certain age living in one of the most affluent counties in the world. And I know that no matter how hard I try, no matter how much compassion and empathy that I show to those outsiders, those outside the circles that I was born into, I know that I've never, I'll never really know how it feels to be on the outside, much, much let alone how hard and demoralizing it must be to live in a world where the cards are stacked against me. But I try. I try to do that. I try to imagine that, put myself in their places, and I know that you do too. We try to spread love and healing and compassion to people who don't have the opportunities that we do. I like to imagine our circle here at St. John's to have a porous circumference where there's no inside, where there's no outside. I like to imagine that it's all inside or maybe all outside or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not a circle at all, maybe it's a cloud, or maybe it's just God's love infusing everything that we do. 
and it is, and we're human, just like John was. Sometimes we stumble, sometimes we fail, I know that I do at least, to live into the love that I am sure is the love that we were made for and that puts no labels on who's inside and who's outside. So we've got to keep trying, don't we? And that's the message I'm hearing in Jesus' tough words today. I don't think he's damning us to hell for being human and making mistakes. But I do think he's warning us. And even in a strange-sounding way, encouraging us to do good, to be better. And what's he warning us about? being stumbling blocks. What an interesting figure of speech that is. And many fundamentalist Christians interpret being a stumbling block as somehow causing others to sin. And those same, that same fundamentalist reading of this passage reads the list of consequences that Jesus says follow from causing others to sin as literal punishments in a place called hell. So straighten up and fly right. But I don't think that that is what Jesus is saying. It just doesn't fit with Jesus' overarching message of loving God or Jesus' life as we encounter it in the Gospels. Right after Jesus tells John, don't stop anyone who spreads love and heals in my name, he tells him furthermore, don't be a stumbling block. And I hear that as don't get in the way. Don't be an obstacle or a hindrance to God's all-inclusive love. And, you know, when I heard it for the first time like that, when I was thinking about this sermon, it kind of brought me up short. I thought I'd better take a look at my own behavior. Where do I get in the way? Who do I get in the way of? And I really do have a sense that, that I can be a stumbling block. Get in the way of others. Unconsciously, sometimes, without intending to. And I'll bet that's how most of us, if we do become stumbling blocks, that's how most of us hinder others, unconsciously, unintentionally. <clears throat> so a good friend of mine told me this story the other day. She was telling her friend, it's two women having a conversation here, about her experience of wanting to enter a room where two men were having a conversation and she was feeling a little anxious about that because as a woman, she didn't really feel that she had the right to intrude on these two men. And her friend recognized that feeling and said to her, well, that's a feeling that they have probably never had. And she's right. You know how I know that? I was one of those two men having that conversation in that room. 
And I'm grateful that my friend told me that story. And of course I know that I'm white and male and privileged, and because she told me her experience in a genuine, loving way, I could really hear how I can get in the way, how I can get in somebody's way simply by being who I am and without intending to. I had another experience last week that was surprising. I went to a training about stigma and the harmful effects that being stigmatized has on individuals and on groups of people and indeed on the culture as a whole. And stigma is defined as stereotypes or negative views attributed to a person or groups of people when their characteristics or behaviors are viewed as different from or inferior to societal norms. That's a mouthful. But we all know what stigma is, and we all know what it is to stigmatize someone. Um, we can think of lots of examples of stigmatized people. Um, a really obvious example is remembering back to the HIV AIDS crisis and how people with a disease were stigmatized for ha simply for having that disease. In Jesus' time, lepers and really almost anybody who wasn't Jewish were stigmatized. Bear in mind that these are just the people who Jesus touched and healed and consorted with. But these days, when people tend to line up on two sides of every issue and hold very hard and fast lines, it seems to me that we're stigmatizing each other all the time. We don't just fall into two camps anymore. We tend to retreat into our own circles those places where we know who is inside, very clearly, we also know who is outside because we feel safe in our own certainty. And thinking about stigma got me thinking, who is it that I stereotype? Who is it that I stigmatize? Who do I attribute negative views to because they don't fit with my idea of right and wrong? Well, plenty of people. I can be judged just as judgmental as the next person. And the first thing that comes to my mind is that I have very, very strong opinions about the right way and the wrong way to respond as individuals and as a society to the COVID pandemic. And boy, have I been harshly critical about people who don't see things my way. Of course, I think I'm right, and that's the problem, right? My certainty. And I was shocked to realize how I've been stigmatizing people with whom I disagree. I've been guilty of thinking and saying, true confessions here, thinking and saying that those on the other end of the political spectrum, on the other side of health care questions, public health questions, of saying they're misguided. And I've been guilty of saying that I think they're stupid. 
And that's not helpful. And it definitely is not loving. So I can be a stumbling block. And no, don't worry, I'm not going to start hacking at my limbs or plucking my eyes out, and I'm not worried about the worm that never dies or the fire that's never quenched. Although, I do think that sometimes we create our very own hells here on earth when we act unlovingly. And I will say that we can create our very own heavens here on earth too when we act in love. And that's the consequence that Jesus is warning us about today with his wild, exaggerated words, which are spoken to catch our attention, and it works. No Jesus meek and mild in Mark's gospel. Rather, Jesus, tough and loving. Jesus, with his spicy language, closes us today like this. Salt is good. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another.